Hello, friends. Welcome to 1,000 Words, Stories on the Way. My name is Matthew Clark. Thanks so much for stopping by this week. Um, hey, guess what? I released a new single from my upcoming album a couple of weeks ago called Every Beauty, and you can listen to that right now. It's already on Spotify, uh, and this Friday, March 25th, I'm releasing the second single, and this second single is the title track for the album, Only the Lover Sings. So, uh, when that comes out, May 6th. But the single comes out this Friday, the 25th. So, here's what I'm asking you to do. If you would do me a huge favor and pre-save it on Spotify, just go to my website, matthewclark.net, and you'll see this button you can push, and that'll take you to the pre-save page. Uh, Pre-saving really helps the song kind of... uh, float to the top of the algorithm on Spotify so that it doesn't just get buried and no one ever hears it. So that would be a big help to me. And I just want you to hear the song because I made it for you. Uh, I really, I can't wait to get these songs and this book of essays that goes with it, uh, goes with the album out into the world. Um, It's been a really important project to me. And uh, the whole project releases May 6th. Um, And then you'll be able to order the book from Amazon and the music will be online. So head over to my website where you can sign up for my monthly newsletter and you can find out more about that. All right. This week, I've been reading in Philippians. Um, Paul's theology of abundance has been really helpful to me. In this, in, in very practical ways throughout just ordinary days. He says basically, look how generous Jesus was at the cross. Um, you don't give away all of your eggs unless you know that back home you've got, you know, 300 chickens. Jesus understands reality, he knows there's more than enough. So he can afford to empty himself in humility. Because there's no threat of running out of life. So, that means that when I feel offended, I can pray, Lord, you've revealed the truth about reality, that there is an endless resource of grace and forgiveness. So, I can afford to forgive and not get defensive. Or when I feel threatened by someone else's success, you know, I feel envious, I can pray, Lord, you have so super abundantly welcomed and loved and made safe my soul that I can afford to be content. And then that frees me to enjoy and to bless other people rather than compete and so on. So that's the idea of this week's essay, which is entitled, What Superabundance Affords Us. I heard a story about some college roommates that imposed a small fine every time one of them said the word, mine. Hey, give me that, it's mine. We'd get a few bucks extracted from your wallet. 
Or I think of the seagulls in the movie Finding Nemo, who only know one word, and they repeat it endlessly. Mine, mine, mine. Then, of course, there's old Gollum and his precious. It's mine. It came to me. My own. My precious. Paul leads up to the Christ hymn in Philippians 2 by saying he's not distracted by suffering. It's not the important thing. The important thing is continuing to keep faith with Jesus, living his whole life as a response to the superabundance of love God has shown. Jesus has revealed to us the true nature of reality, that we are not living in a scarcity. We're not even living in an abundance. We're living in an unimaginably eternal superabundance of love, safety, and welcome. Despite all appearances to the contrary, superabundance is what's true about reality because of who the God Jesus reveals really is. Before Paul sings, he tells his friends not to get too hung up about suffering since it's no big shocker that a world that loves slinking around in the shadows would be aggravated by the light. But that's not even his point, really. His point is that it doesn't matter whether people are against us or not. Who cares? We've already got all the love, safety, and welcome we could ever want and need. We're free from having to please, defend, or compete. We don't have to hoard manna today. There's plenty. That's what sets up the Christ hymn in Philippians 2. Since we have a superabundance of love, we can afford to live humbly and generously. Jesus could afford to die because he had so much life in his account. Even death couldn't bankrupt him. And every tongue praises his name because amongst many reasons, we are in awe of how free he is, how incredibly unhindered he is by any sense of scarcity or fear. How his humility and generosity demonstrate an open-handedness that to us feels terrifying. We also praise him because he shows us a way of humble love that is so beautiful. There's nothing more beautiful than the way Jesus lives his life. His name is lifted above every name because no one does things more beautifully, with more goodness or truthfulness. In contrast, we cling and clutch and cloy because we're so afraid to lose. What if we don't have enough? What if what's mine gets taken from me? My reputation, my money, my achievements, etc. We're shot through with a thousand piercing threats, and we're sure we're bleeding out our most precious resources at every moment. We gotta plug those holes, we gotta stop the bleeding. And so we become defensive, very easily offended, quick to anger, quick to blame, harsh, stingy, and anxious. Our culture and our world is full of this emptiness, full of the fear of not having what's mine, mine, mine. If that goes on long enough, our eyes change. We can't see our neighbor as an opportunity 
for love to well up. We can only see them as a threat, a potential thief, someone who's come to take the safety, love, and welcome that we already have such precious little of. In Deuteronomy, God tells Israel to cancel all debts and release anyone enslaved every seven years. And then, anticipating the likelihood of Israel exploiting the loopholes in this command, he goes on to tell them to be generous to those in need around them. Deuteronomy says, If a fellow Israelite from one of your villages in the land that the Lord your God is giving you should be poor, you must not harden your heart or be insensitive to his impoverished condition. Instead, you must be sure to open your hand to him and generously lend him whatever he needs. Be careful, lest you entertain the wicked thought that the seventh year, the year of cancellation of debts, has almost arrived, and your attitude be wrong toward your impoverished fellow Israelite, and you don't lend him anything. He'll cry out to the Lord against you, and you will be regarded as having sinned. You must by all means lend to him, and not be upset by doing it. For because of this, the Lord your God will bless you and all of your work and everything you attempt. There will never cease to be some poor people in the land. Therefore, I am commanding you to make sure you open your hand to your fellow Israelites who are needy and poor in your land. Now these are folks who spent decades in the wilderness being supernaturally provided for by food from heaven, God's manna. There ought to be no doubt in their minds that God will make sure there's plenty to go around of whatever they need. These are people who've been miraculously rescued from enslavement and indebtedness so that their life might be marked by a grateful return of the same generosity with which they have been treated. Even so, the fear of scarcity creeps in. The hoarding reflex is very deeply ingrained. But God is working to create a context free from this fear that they won't have enough. A context that releases them from any need to feel threatened or jealous when they see their neighbor doing well. A situation that opens to them the joy of living and loving from a place of generosity. In episode 26 of this podcast, I wrote about Stanley Hauerwas's book, The Character of Virtue, Letters to a Godson. There was a very deliberate phrase that kept repeating through those pages as Hauerwas walked through virtues like joy, patience, kindness, faithfulness. And he kept saying that we can, quote, afford to be kind because God has been so kind. We can afford it. Being kind may be costly, but there's no shortage of kindness in the cosmos. Our account will never run out. We may feel like time is running out, for instance. But for the Christian, that's simply not true. We can afford to spend the time it takes to listen to someone 
to think wisely or to feel deeply. Why? Because death is not the end of us. We've got endless time since we live, move, and have our being in the eternal Son. We can tell the truth because it is endless and will outlast every lie. We can afford to forgive because our own reservoir of grace, mercy, and freedom is inexhaustible. And on and on and on it goes with every good thing. For he has withheld from us no good thing. In fact, he didn't even withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? To close us out this week, I think I'll just read Psalm 84 for us. It's a little window, I think, into the way things really are. I feel like the psalmist, whenever, you know, whatever his circumstances were at the time, must have caught a glimpse of his true situation that he was safe, that he was welcomed, that he was loved by a God, uh, a God super abundant in love who withholds no good thing from those who call out to him and who desire to dwell with him. So, here is Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart, my flesh, cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home. The swallow a nest for herself, where she can have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs, The autumn rains also come and cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength until each appears before God in Zion. So hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Okay, friends, go to my website, matthewclark.net, pre-save my new single, Only the Lover Sings, which releases this Friday, March 25th. And if you will, please help me promote this stuff. Um, Share it if you like it. That is such a huge help to me, and I really, really appreciate all the help I can get. It's really wonderful, so thank you for that. Uh, Meanwhile, whatever it costs to love well in the pattern of Christ. 
we can afford it since the Lord is our shepherd. So, um, so much love to you and I will see you next time on 1000 Words.